0: Uh, let's pray together. And let's, as, as we bow our heads, as we close our eyes, let's do this together. And maybe those of you who are streaming, you would do it at home. But, but we've declared the greatness of God. Maybe there's evidence in one word that you have today that you would love to celebrate the greatness of God. So uh, I'm going to ask um, uh, that I, I'm going to give you a statement that. God, we give you thanks for you are. And uh, you're going to give me that one or two words that tells me today what you are thankful about, the greatness of God. So God, you are great. You're greatly to be praised. And today we give you thanks for you are. You're wonderful. Faithful. Patient. In control. Forgiving. Holy. Holy. Loving. Merciful. Sovereign. Mm -hmm. Mm. Amen. And God, hear Your people. Hear us as we give praise for the reality of who You are in our lives that is reflected in the things that you do in our lives God we are a grateful people as a grateful people as we recognize your holiness as we recognize your sovereignty as we recognize your mercy and your grace your faithfulness God it, it compels us to come not only to worship you but to fall at your feet with the things in our lives that burden us that the things that we carry, the heartaches for ourselves or for the reality of those around us. So, God, as you hear our praises, uh, even in our own silent ways, God, today hear our requests, hear our petitions before you. People of God, just to take a moment. You all have people in your lives, and maybe it's you, that you just need to surrender before Jesus today. So, just in silence to pray for those people in your lives that need a touch of that faithfulness of God that sovereignty of God, that mercy of God in their lives. God, how good it is to come as your people and to surrender to you, the people in our lives, maybe ourselves, Uh, the heartaches, the places in our lives where we struggle, uh, the people in our lives who struggle and trust them unto you. Collectively, corporately, today, we we pray for Debbie Stoffer who's not feeling well, God is being attended to at Sharon Regional, and uh, just your uh, enveloping her and loving her and caring for her and healing her uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, God, and even now, as we turn to your word, uh, we pray for ourselves in this way, that our ears would be open, our hearts would be attentive to this, your word, for what it is that you have to speak by Your Spirit into our lives today, in these moments. Believing, God, that You indeed are speaking. Would we have ears to hear, we pray. We pray together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, I don't know if you've noticed or not, uh, but there are a number of controversial tensions in our culture today. Has anybody picked up on that? I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if you did. I, well, of course we know, because we're, we're living, maybe, for some of us, the most tension-filled times in our lives. In fact, I'm going to um, uh, suggest a couple of those tensions. And I'm going to suggest that if we had uh, the deacons armed with blood pressure cuffs, right? And they came and they put them on all of you this morning... Uh, and uh, as I mentioned some of these tensions, we could collectively show your blood pressures on the screen. They would all probably go up, right? So, so are, are, are you ready? I, these are just, you know, maybe some of the tensions. Does, does anyone here this morning, don't raise your hand, right? All right? Does anybody here have strong feelings about this thing called an election coming up? Like you're strongly on one side or the other Uh, are there strong feelings out there about the mask or no mask debate right Uh, and and in that vein uh, maybe there is some of you who have a strong feeling about the value or the control around the vaccination debate You feel it? It's getting warmer in here already, right? Uh, They'll do that. How about the complexity of the COVID debate? You know, some who are near the COVID apocalypse and some who are on the other idea of a, a pandemic that's happening in our culture. How about the racial tension in our nation? Trying to understand uh, the anger of an oppressed race versus the destruction of U.S. cities in protest to this injustice. Hey, listen, the whole homeschool, private school, public school debate's alive and well now, right? With the whole COVID thing. We don't know who's going or how we're going to school or what we're doing. That's one of those things. And how about immigration? We've forgotten about immigration. Everything else has happened so much that the immigration debate has gotten... I just want to remind you, maybe that rises some of your blood pressure. This one I know will get most of you men. It's a very serious debate over whether the Big Ten will play college football or not this fall, right? And and certainly the church wouldn't want to be left out because in the church, as you know, there are very serious debates of theology, of our do's and don'ts versus your do's and don'ts and how you feel about this. And so even within God's house, right, there is this rising tension of things that we deal with. It's endless, isn't it? We live in a world filled with tension. And I don't know about you, but when I buy into the tension, it can get the best of me. (laughs) Maybe there's an honest confession this morning in your heart that sometimes it can get the best of you. Well, we've been talking together here on Sunday mornings about the book of Acts and the early church. We've been doing that since the beginning of June when we came back. And the last two weeks have provided some incredible thoughts around the healing of a lame man found at the gate beautiful at the temple. Uh, Two weeks ago, our conclusion in studying just that healing is this, that there is always hope in the power of God. I hope you never lose that reality. As we talked about the healing of this man, we pushed that hard. That Listen, in your life, hear it again, there is always hope in the power of God. Last week we saw Peter use that healing as an object lesson to preach not only to the Jews in the temple, but to us in our pews of the reality of our healing from sin. (laughs) And he called us to repent. Now all of this has been very pristine, very beautiful, really cool, right? The healing of a lame man is fun to talk about. The reality of a cleansing of our sin is good until this week. Here comes the tension. Dun, dun dun dun! Right, here it comes. The proverbial bad guys are coming to town, and things are about to get interesting. Listen, hope get this hits the reality of a broken world. But what I want us to hear this morning is how Peter walks in that tension, and maybe we can learn from him how to live well in the hope of Jesus in the tension of the world in which we live. Intrigued? Good. Then open your Bibles. Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, we've finally made it to chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. I'm going to read the whole text. It's a story. It's easy to read all together, and then we'll come back and... Pulled it into three parts uh, this morning. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. Listen to the very Word of God. And as they were speaking, that's Peter, John, and the lame guy, right? Now healed. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed (laughs) Because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men, heads of family, came to about 5,000. On the next day, there rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders... Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of but what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. May God help us in the understanding of his word. Here's the first thought this morning as we look at the very first part of this, the arrest that happens in these first verses, is that hope in Jesus isn't always pretty. Right? Hope in Jesus isn't always pretty. Understand what's going on. A lame man has been healed. Prayer gathering was probably, we talked about this last week, how about going into that prayer meeting with the guy that just got healed from being lame Since his birth, right? I mean, that was that was a praise gathering, right? That was a cool place, right? Things were happening, and then you're walking out, and now there are people because they've Instagrammed and texted and done all of that to let them know that this had happened, and everybody is now at the temple, and now there are thousands there to which Peter preaches. Into the picture comes the captain of the temple security along with the priests, and and a group of men called the Sadducees. Uh, The Sadducees are a group who aligned themselves to get along with the Roman rulers of the day. And, And they found themselves in a slippery slope in which, in order to get along with the Roman rulers of the day, they had to begin to compromise the Word of God. And so they were in this really interesting dilemma... of of where they aligned. And in that dilemma, they were trying to hang on to the Jewish people who would stay there. But what had happened in the midst of that is that these Sadducees had, had come to a place where they denied that Christ, that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the Messiah. And they had to therefore then deny the resurrection. And that's why they were sad, you see, I need, a, I need a drummer for that one, right? right. So, so, so that's who's coming in, right? Verse 2 tells us that they are greatly annoyed. <laughs> and, and that's actually pretty good for the Greek, right? There's a, a prefix on the word that means greatly, like, whoa, like big time. And annoyed kind of means, yeah, they were like ticked off. They were greatly annoyed because this uncommon man was teaching the people. Well, that was the job of Jewish leaders, not commoners. And they were proclaiming that Jesus had risen from the dead and that therefore we had this hope of rising from the dead ourselves. Something that had already influenced many, many to believe in Jesus. And quite frankly, I think they are most annoyed that the disciples are being effective, right? That they're gathering a crowd and they're creating a movement right under the temple noses of the priests and the Sadducees. And because the Sadducees hold power, they have the power to arrest Peter, John, and presumably the man healed from his lameness. And I don't know that we need to do much convincing of this reality, but we see it in the text, we've probably seen it in our lives, that a hope in Jesus isn't always pretty. Sometimes our hope in Jesus actually becomes quite messy. Sometimes it might even end you up in jail. That still exists in the 21st century. You do know, right? Maybe not here in the U.S. yet. But in places like North Korea, in places like Afghanistan, in places like Pakistan, the three places in the world where Christians are most persecuted, not only could you end up in prison, but you could end up dead for making known your belief and trust in who Jesus is. The hope of Jesus can get messy. It's not always Pretty. We, we obviously don't face that kind of persecution here in the States, but, but many of us have had a situation where our, our hope in Jesus was met with opposition, where things have got messy, where our hope in Jesus has not been met with pristine hallelujah, right? In the midst of our proclamation. Uh, listen, this is never a pulpit where you will hear that a life with Jesus will make you rich or healthy. <laughs> But rather, we will share in the truth that even Jesus has said and shown that a life that puts Jesus first is going to be met with struggle and hardship. Jesus has told us that it's not going to be pretty. In some ways, that was the theme of the tag conference that we shared in this weekend, that there was purpose in the pain. But you're also going to hear that in the less than pretty moments are often the moments that we have an availability to make much of Jesus. So as we continue in the story, we see that while hope in Jesus isn't always pretty, it is always worth talking about Jesus in. Right? hope in Jesus is always worth talking about. Look at the trial that happens here for Peter, John, and the healed lame man. So the next day, listen, all the bigwigs are gathering together. There's this long list. The high priestly family, Annas is coming, Caiaphas is coming, Alexander is coming. All of the bigwigs are coming to put these three men on trial. Presumably for teaching where they shouldn't be teaching and talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And what happens next is intriguing. And and this is why I want to slow down the story, uh, create some uh, uh, freeze moments that we can begin to ask some questions. I want you to see the question that is posed to Peter, John, and this man. They ask, by what power or by what name did you do this? Now, freeze frame that for a second. Are, Are the leaders talking about the teaching? What power and authority did you teach? Or are they talking about... The healing. Well, we aren't really told. (laughs) But watch what Peter does. You ready for this? He did not defend his teaching. He did not even defend his theological stance on the resurrection. Listen, he didn't take up the debate. Rather, filled with the Holy Spirit, he took an opportunity to preach the same sermon that he's already preached twice. Once at Pentecost. And another time, right after the lame man was healed. Note a few things in what he says. He begins with respect. He says, rulers of the people and elders, Peter acknowledges the Sadducees' authority, the high priest's authority. He even seems to comply with his state as a prisoner. But then he defines the context of the question. He defines what the question is asking. He is not there to debate his teaching. Rather, he is there to proclaim his Jesus. If we are being examined for healing a lame guy, he says, then we're here to tell you that it was the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that he was healed. Now, he he did not leave out some nice jabs of conviction, right? Did you notice that? So, it's this Jesus who healed him. Oh, by the way, the Jesus that you crucified. <laughs> right? And not only that, but it's this same Jesus who was talked about in Psalm 118, who was prophesied that, that he would be the one that would come that would cause uh, you guys to stumble. But he would be the cornerstone that would hold his people together, right? And so he says, listen, uh, I'm going to define what you mean by your question. You ask by what power, authority... Well, I'll tell you by what power authority this man was healed. He was healed by Jesus, whom you crucified. But is the very one that Psalm 118, which you know very well, good religious leaders, it was talking about a Messiah who was to come. And so here's Peter connecting the dots. Not only are we talking about Jesus, whom you just crucified, and rose from the dead, by the way, but we're talking about the very one who was prophesied to be the one who would come to save us all. Then, in the middle of the trial, Peter gives the altar call. He calls the organist up, says, play just as I am. And then he says this, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. And almost you hear in Peter's intent, and if you'd like to be saved, come forward now. I'd love to pray with you. You can join the 3,000, now well, 5,000 who have come to believe in Jesus. I love this. Do you see what Peter's doing? Get this. He took an opportunity to defend himself and turned it into an opportunity to talk about Jesus. In the tension of the life, in the tension of the culture, he didn't enter into the tension to defend himself. Rather, he took the opportunity to talk about Jesus. There are so many very cool parallels with this conversation in the, in the writing of 1 Peter. But I want you to just hear one of those today. If you have your Bibles, maybe still open, flip back to 1 Peter 3. It'll be on the screen as well. But in 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 13, uh, Peter writes. So this is Peter later on, right, writing to the church. He said, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. I want you to see in particular here in these verses, that Peter writes, I think he's exemplifying in our text, that we are always to be ready to defend what? Ourselves? our positions, our beliefs. No, we're always to be ready to defend the hope that is in us. Here's something. Our hope is not in winning our argument. Our hope is not even in who wins the election. Ooh. Matthew, we might both be fired by next week. I don't know. Our our hope is not in defending our personal beliefs about COVID. Our, our, Our hope is not even, this is a radical thought, our hope is not even in college football. Our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Peter did not have to defend his right to preach in the temple or his right to preach Jesus crucified and resurrected. This thing was not about him, but rather it is his privilege to take this moment to make much of Jesus. I want you to hear today that there is a great deal of difference between winning and witnessing. There's a great deal of difference between winning and witnessing. And I think Peter here is a key example of what it means to focus on witness over winning. The the, the goal of winning is to prove your point. But the goal of witness is to have others see Jesus. Winning brings division because winning means there's always going to be a... That's right. But witnessing brings unity in our diversity around Jesus. Winning seeks after someone changing their mind. Witness seeks a conversation of hope. Winning is based on the love of self, and witness is based on the love of the one who is standing in front of you. Winning winning is pride-based. Witness is humility-based. Winning is making much of you. Witnessing is making much of Jesus. People of God, we hear in this today that we are called to be a witness to the hope that is in us. And we're to do it with gentleness and respect. Here's the question will we strive to win with our opinions or witness for Jesus amidst the tensions of our day? Notice in this trial what the prosecution saw in Peter, John, and this healed man. It really is evidence that the Spirit of God was in and all around this whole thing, and that Peter and company were being led by the Holy Spirit. The Sadducees, the the prosecution, the high priests were what? Astonished that common men would speak with such boldness. That they would speak with such conviction about the hope that was in them they recognized that these men had been with Jesus, right? It's often preached like there was some aura, like, whoo, around them, right? They must have been with Jesus. I don't think that's what it means. I don't think there's whoo, around them. I think what the prosecution saw was the same way in which Jesus made fools of them in his life. They had just made fools of him in this moment. Jesus used the same kind of Of amazing ways to just capture their brain to change the conversation about the very thing that they wanted to talk about. And it would be about God. And they saw that in these men. The Sadducees, the high priests, found themselves in a quandary much like when Jesus spoke to them. And therefore, they found that they had nothing to say in opposition to them. (laughs) In fact, here's their conclusion. Hey, guys, let's huddle up. You guys stay there. All right. Huddle, 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 huddle. Okay, like, what are we going to do with these guys? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. What are we going to do with these guys? And then Steve, the Sadducee, raises his hand. I got an idea. Let's just tell them not to talk about it. That's brilliant. Ready? Break. And then they go back out. And I'm thinking, is that the best you got? So they break with this brilliant idea. They come and say, listen. We don't want you to do this anymore. <laughs> to which Peter and John, it says they both said it. I don't know if they said it in unison. I don't know if they said it in tam- I don't know what they did, but they, they, they said this. You know what they said? Listen, we, we realize it's by your authority and in your authority that you can bring consequences upon us if we teach this. Like you can throw us back in prison. You can kill us. You can do that. That's in jesus the hope that we have in christ smashes that ceiling so while there is good in being a part of a gentle discussion about presenting jesus as the ultimate hope of every tension in life bottom line this world needs to hear about the hope of jesus and the platform for doing so may never be better So seize the day. Seize the day. Listen, don't run from the tensions. But filled with the Holy Spirit, enter the tensions to talk about Jesus. Must be to witness, not to win. To give a gentle answer that brings hope. Just as Peter and John did that day. I know that some of you have been following the situation that I talked about a few weeks ago in a movement of churches in California led by John MacArthur and Grace Church uh, where the government initially told the church that they weren't allowed to sing and then they were told that they weren't allowed to have church and some um, have followed Grace Church which is a large church in Southern California and they've arisen to say that they know and accept the consequences of not abiding by the law but they are going to meet And they're going to sing. That though they know what it is to be submissive to their authorities, that in essence they are saying, We cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. And God is giving them favor in this. It is a modern day reality. It's the very thing that we see in First Peter or in Acts chapter three, four. This is the Spirit of God. So, people of God, in this day, may we not only sing, but may we sing a little louder of the goodness of God and the hope that we have in him. At the day of judgment, people of God, we will not be judged based upon our political party. You all right? Nor will we be judged by our view on mass vaccines or college football. We will not be asked if we won. But we will be asked if we've witnessed. If we've made much of Jesus in the platform that has been given to us in the tensions of our lives. May our focus not be on winning. May our focus be on our witness the hope that is within us. Living hope. That of Jesus. So with gentleness and respect, let's enter the conversations about the tensions of life. But let's control our blood pressure by not entering into the tension for tension's sake, but entering into the tension that we might seize the day to make much. Let's pray together. God, we need help. I need help. So easy to operate below that ceiling, in which even even our own admission, God, sometimes is that we want to be right. We want to win for Your sake, (laughs) but it's not winning. God, may we as your people enter the tensions of this culture, of this world with gentleness and respect that we might make much of you, that we might point to you, and that indeed today, I mean like literally today on myself, on us as a church, on us as a people, that you would place upon us that same spirit that filled Peter that day. That we would be filled with that spirit to make much of you. That we might sing, might even sing a little louder, and that our declaration, our song, might be that of saying, Hallelujah, you are indeed our hope. May that be And may it be for your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.